We are one of the few organizations, art organizations, that is free and open to the public all year round, seven days a week. And so there's no financial barrier for people who would like to see art. Hello and welcome to Arts In, also known as AI, the podcast produced by Creative Pinellas. I'm Barbara St. Clair, your host, and I am here with Katie Dietz, who is the Executive Director of Florida Craft Art which is a wonderful gallery and artist workspace. But before you became an arts administrator, you were an aerial photographer. And you were sharing with me that when the first color copy came in and you saw it, you saw the writing on the wall for what was going to happen to uh, film photography. That's true. And with the advent of cameras that were easy to use and film that was more forgiving, it made people able to take good photographs themselves. So I would just be called for the hard assignments. And I was commercial and aerial and corporate photographer too. I was a master photographer. I held the degree of Florida Photographic Excellence. So I take those skills and I use them for any organization that I'm working with. Downstairs, you have one kind of thing happening and then upstairs you have another kind of thing happening. Well, Florida Craft Art was founded in 1951-52 by a couple of professors at Stetson, Elsa and Louis Freund. And they wanted to do something to support Florida's fine craft artists. So they had festivals and meetings across the state, and they wanted it to be a statewide organization. But it wasn't until the 90s, really, that Florida Craft Art, which was called Florida Craftsman in those days, had a physical presence in St. Pete, where we have our headquarters. The first director was Michelle Teagle, and she rented what had been the Rutland department store at 5th and Central. And eventually, she and the board decided to buy the building, which was a tremendously wonderful decision, particularly considering the real estate values now. And they remodeled the upstairs to be studios for artists. We have 19 artist studios and a creative loft, which is a large room for educational workshops, our meetings, And in that room, we also have our permanent collection. We have a wonderful collection of art that was done by many of the craftspeople in Florida or people who used to come and work in this area. So Art Lofts upstairs is a working art studios downstairs where we have our retail gallery, which shows more than 250 of Florida's fine craft artists that are all juried and vetted. And then we have an exhibition gallery where we show between seven and eight curated shows a year. And we also have a lot of cultural programming to go along with the exhibits. So we have lectures, workshops, meet the artists, demos, many different things to teach people about fine craft. Let's talk about fine craft because it's a challenging definition. You have many artists who are considered, quote, fine art artists who are working in fiber and and they're not considered craftsmen. They're considered fine artists. So that's why we use the word fine craft. So we don't really usually show paintings unless they're maybe on an alternate surface, Mm -hmm. such as a palm frond base or car door or something like that. And we don't really show photography unless maybe one of our artists, for instance, did embroidery on photography. And so then it was considered craft. Craft is really defined by handmade works of 
ceramics, fiber, glass, jewelry, metal, mixed media, and wood. And so mixed media kind of can cross over the line because of collage and and that may be on canvas. But the craftsmanship is something that's extremely important, that it's well-crafted, that it's professionally done. And you can always say that about fine art, quite frankly. When I look at your exhibits, the quality of the work doesn't feel crafty. It feels art. It doesn't feel like popsicle sticks or... Artists who have very rigorous training produce art that incorporates that rigor of training. The work at Florida Craft Art seems to have that same level of rigor in the thought process, in the production process, and in the product that is created. And that's one thing that we look for is the quality of the craftsmanship, the originality. Are they copying someone else? Is their work interesting? Is it something that someone would want to purchase? And that's another thing is that fine craft can also be worn, which often is not the way fine art is considered. Let's talk about your exhibition gallery. Talk to me about some of the exhibits and maybe something that was really surprising. You thought you were doing one thing and discovered it was something else. Well, I have to tell you that that is the way it often happens because when we do these calls to artists, we're not sure what's going to come in. But I love calls to artists because of that, of the surprise element. For instance, this last year, we had an exhibit called Creatures Wild and Woolly. And one of the artists admitted a eight-foot life-size lion, all made out of fiber. And it was so realistic that people would just stop and look in the window. It was amazing. Whatever an artist can imagine, they'll make. So, And also, I personally, as an artist, have found calls to artists very stimulating. They'll make me think outside of maybe the type of work I'm working in, and they can, can start a whole series. So what's a creative call to artists that you might send out? Well, woof, meow, chirp, and slither. And what it is, is artists interpreting the world of pets. So we want to have everything in that, including 3D portraits, functional items for every pet, or what what do pets mean to the artist. Mm -hmm. And one of the cool things that we do, too, in our programming is that often we'll partner with Keep St. Pete Lit, and they did an ekphrastic where they bring in writers, and writers would write about a particular work. And then a couple weeks later, we had an audience, and the writers would read their work. And one of the nice things about your location is you have these really big windows. And so people who are walking by on the outside can look in and see what's going on on the inside. Because at that aphrastic, I was in the audience. What really struck me was how many people stopped outside the windows and looked in. And I was like, what's going on here? Yes, they so do. interesting. And we had the Tibetan monks. We had so many people out on the sidewalk that we had to put speakers out on the sidewalk so that people could hear the chanting and the ceremony when the monks were building the mandala. There were people five deep on the sidewalk. When you say building a mandala, what does that really entail at Florida Craft Art? Well, it's interesting because when a person first sees it, they might think that the mandala is flat. Like it almost looks like it's painted when you look at it from a distance. And a mandala is a round object. It's about four feet in diameter and it's on a board and it's actually created from sand. So the monks have colored sand that's all colored with vegetable dyes. They, with little silver instruments, distribute the sand one grain at a time on the mandala. 
And when I say build, that's because there's actually depth to it. Mm -hmm. It's about, I'd say, three quarters of an inch or higher. Eight monks spend the week with us. And it's a part of their Tibetan cultural arts tour to make people more aware of the plight of Tibet and also to spread world peace. Mm -hmm. So people can come in and they can watch the monks. Then the last day they do a ceremony and they take a brush and destroy the mandala. Mm. So this absolutely beautiful piece of work that they've spent six days working on. And one creating. grain of sand at a time. One like grain literally. of sand at a time. There's usually four monks working on it at a time. And, and then they, they swirl it all together. And the lesson is, of course, is impermanence. Nothing is really permanent. Everybody follows the monks down to Demon's Landing, and the monks bless the water and put the sand in the water. Mm. But we always save out a little bit of sand to give to people who are attending mm -hmm. so that they can spread peace in their world. Oh, nice. And is will it be coming again? They're coming in 2020. And that's kind of a sold-out event for you, right? Well, we don't charge admission to most everything. There's There were a couple things that we did charge a small admission fee to because of limited space. Everything else was free. 5,000 people visit in one week. And people can see some videos of it on our website, mm -hmm. floridacraftart.org. So you were a photographer, then you were a, an art director in a corporate environment, mm -hmm. and somewhere along the way you became an arts administrator. Well, when I was a photographer, my business really included more than just photography. It was graphic design, it was writing, so if someone needed a brochure, an annual report, anything like that, we would produce the entire thing. Also, I did a lot of slide presentations, you know, when they used to do nine projectors, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I had my own sound studio. So when I left, I went and worked for a client of mine, and then they sold the public corporation, and there was a job at the Palm Beach Post in charge of the home special sections. Mm -hmm. So I applied for that and worked there for eight years. Wow, so journalist and editor. I could use my graphic design there, my writing, photography skills worked there and then they offered a buyout to anybody over 55 and I was the first one at the door. <laughs> I'm like, so I'll go do something else. So I just freelanced for a while and then executive director of the Lighthouse Art Center Museum and School of Art in Tequesta, Florida which is at the northern tip of Palm Beach County, and that was there for eight years. So what made you make the big jump to uh, Pinellas County? Well, I left the lighthouse in 2015, and I'd always loved St. Pete because I came here in 2006 for a workshop at the more what was then St. Pete Clay, now the Morian Center for Clay, and it was on building architectural ceramics. Mm -hmm. And I'd been a ceramic artist since 1999. Mm. And this was learning how to do fireplace surrounds or, you know, moldings or anything big. And I thought, well, that looks interesting. It was a symposium, too. And they were bringing in all these famous artists. So I came over here for two weeks, and I thought, St. Pete is just awesome. Got to know Florida Craft, what was then Florida Craftsman. And uh, Diane Shelley, who was the director at the time, always came here back on vacation and enjoyed seeing the arts. And so when I saw the job come available in August of 2016, I thought, well, that sounds like that'd be great. And so I just moved over here. 
you are very interested in developing artists and finding new talent and helping artists to take the next step. And for example, you have an emerging artist program. Yes, we do for the Craft Art Festival mm-hmm. held the weekend before Thanksgiving. This is our 22nd year that wow. we're doing it. This past year, we had seven emerging artists. Each emerging artist had a sponsor. So people sponsor them when we give the artists a booth, table, chairs so that they can sell their work. They have mentoring by Duncan McClellan on how to market your work. And also they receive professional photography by Brian James, who's our photographer upstairs in Art Lofts. And then they also get 500 postcards so that they can use that to advertise their work or to pass out to people. Mm -hmm. So it's a really great way to give someone a leg up and learn how to be a professional artist. We have an application method, and it's open to anyone in the state of Florida, but they could not have had their own booth in an outdoor art festival like that or a solo show Mm -hmm. other than maybe your master's thesis, Mm -hmm. something Mm -hmm. like that. Mm So part of our mission is to mentor and help artists. So our gallery manager and assistant manager, they work with artists about how they can make their work better. What line would sell better? Mm -hmm. How do you make a living in that? And I know how you make a living as an artist is, is a really big question for a lot of people. What I did in my career is I did artwork that I wanted to do for myself. I didn't do artwork that I thought would sell. I did things that I felt were personally meaningful, and then I always made my living on the commercial end of art. Mm-hmm. But it depends on whether an artist wants to create things that, that people would like to buy or not. And that's, you know, a, an interesting and tougher question because sometimes people don't know what they would like to buy. They think they do. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if an artist only created what people bought yesterday or yes. this morning, they would never, you know... No, all, there wouldn't be this, any originality. Right. And mm-hmm. so people, you know, artists create things that there's no market for yet because it hasn't been created yet. Yes. So you have to try things out, you know. We have a, a, a broad audience for Florida craft art. We have, you know, ladies like myself in their 60s who buy things. We have younger customers who are late teens or in their 20s who come in to buy work. And that's another cool thing is that we have work that's priced from like 5 and $10 up into the thousands. Mm-hmm. So if somebody wanted to have their work at the Florida Craft Art Gallery, what would you suggest that they do? Well, first of all, I would suggest that they come in and they look at the work that's there. And secondly, we have a way to apply online. Another way that's a really good way to get in is to come in on a call call to artists Mm -hmm. you had a call for artists about light right yes it was called lightheaded and it was alternative methods for lighting and we had artists from all over the world and that was curated by mariana murphy and Catherine woods we had this one artist douglas mearing is actually a visually impaired artist But he cuts logs of wood, and then he puts lights inside the wood. But it just, it looks like a natural piece of wood, but then the light is put inside of it, so the light sort of comes out and cracks. Really interesting. We had an artist from Denmark that created clouds, and they were lights inside the clouds. An artist from Brooklyn had a whole line of subway cars that were all with graffiti, and they actually based on original subway cars in New York. It was really fascinating exhibit. You are creating opportunities for artists. 
but then you're also really creating wonderful arts experiences for visitors and guests. So we are one of the few organizations, art organizations, that is free and open to the public all year round, seven days a week. And so there's no financial barrier for people who would like to see art. I had an experience in our exhibit and I happened to be out in the gallery. I'm not always out there because a lot of times I'm working in my office, but I started talking with a lady that was there who came in with five children and she had her teenage daughter with her. And she said, you know, she has to do a report on art. She had to come and see an art exhibit, but I couldn't afford to go to the other museums but I saw that you were free. Mm. So I spent a few minutes and talked with her about the different types of craft. And and um, so I assumed that her daughter was able to write the report because she got in for free and she was able to talk with someone who was educated about the art. Another thing that we're doing for education is we raised money for children's programming. We started it in September of 2018, and it's called Creative Discovery Workshops for Children and Families to teach people about the different methods for fine craft. And it is written aligned with the Florida Sunshine Standards for schools so that a teacher could actually take this curriculum and use it in their classroom. Wow. The curriculum is written for K through second, and then third through fifth, and then sixth through eighth. So you are active on many fronts. Yes, and, and you could say hyperactive. But all right, so you are. <laughs> it's a good thing. We're also member supported. If it weren't for our members, we couldn't be really be in business. We really depend on our volunteers. So you really. So we have a dedicated staff, yeah. very hardworking, and a wonderful board. It sounds like a wonderful organization. Well, thank you. So, Thanks for asking me to be on your show. Oh, it was my pleasure. I've been talking to Katie Dietz, who is the executive director of Florida Craft Art. Thank you so much, Katie, for joining us. I'm Barbara St. Clair, and you've been listening to Arts In, the Creative Pinellas podcast, sponsored in part by the Pinellas County Board of County Commissioners. Visit St. Petersburg Clearwater and the State of Florida Department of Cultural Affairs. Arts In is produced by Matt and Sheila Cowley. And if you're enjoying this program, we hope you'll take a moment to give us a review. It's easy to subscribe to on your favorite podcast service. You can find more conversations with visual, literary, and performing artists and in-depth arts journalism at creativepinellas.org. Thank you for listening.